Welcome to the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business practices, ideas, and strategies while we enjoy our coffee break. We got so much to say, we got a podcast to make, we're sipping on lattes, and it's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. Welcome aboard. It is episode eight of Coffee Break and uh, from Lockdock Security. Yeah, Chad Lingefelt here alongside of our guest today, Brian Smith, and excited about the topic today, excited about what uh, we're going to dive into. And uh, Brian, first of all, thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to be here this morning. My pleasure, Chad. Awesome to be with you and look forward to chatting about commercial real estate and some other things too. Yeah. Well, first of all, this is coffee break and you're not drinking coffee, but we did get you a fancy glass. <laughs> it is a glass fit for a king. The water <laughs> is sterling and sparkling and, and very refreshing this morning. So, Well, we like to refer to it as premium filtered water. Um, it's it's high quality H2O from actually our neighbors down here, Kelly Office Solutions. They hooked wow. us up with this amazing water filtration system. It, it does taste clean. It's it's all part of our coffee, actually. <laughs> There's We have a water filtration system that then brings in and it does a whole lot of funky stuff with the water so that it's clean and uh, goes into our, our coffee machine. But anyways, enough of that. Uh fresh pour over this morning for me from uh, some type of a new roast from Counterculture Coffee, which is actually amazing. So uh, with that said, Brian, let's get a, a little bit of introduction of who you are um, and kind of where, how our paths crossed. So fantastic. Let's, let's jump back almost 10 years ago. And let's do it. Even before then. Even so before then. Went to Auburn University after graduating from college, worked in campus ministry with college students for two years. Actually thought I was going to do vocational ministry as my career, but felt called in a different direction. My wife and I met at Auburn, got married, sold Xerox copiers for about 18 months. It was kind of a throw you up against the wall, see if you stick type sales experience. Yep. And at the end of 18 months, I had gotten my, commercial, uh, my real estate license, had started taking some commercial real estate courses, networked into a role in Charlotte doing landlord leasing agent work. Okay. That's where Chad and I first met in the very early stages of LockDoc. Yes. And leased out office warehouse space for about eight years. Over that t uh, period of time, worked with two other gentlemen. We did 600 different lease transactions. So oh, wow. A lot of volume, if you will. And then went out on my own about two and a half years ago. So 600 lease transactions, what is typical for commercial real estate agent i mean is there is there an average or you know in our environment it tended to be deals in the two to three thousand square foot range so a lot of small businesses okay and a lot of those were renewals some of those were new deals expansions so i'd say an average commercial real estate broker may do if they're bigger deals 10 to 20 a year okay so 600 is a lot okay so it's a great way to learn the business gotcha gotcha so Backing up to that, I remember when, so LockDoc, you know, started obviously in the early 80s. And then when we got into 2008, 2009, we started going, hey, we need, we were completely mobile. We had no, you know, centralized office. We said, we need a place. And so uh, Chris and I started down this path of looking for, we were literally just looking for a, a couple of hundred square foot, a place where we could just have a desk, you know, and uh, very, very, very simplified uh, office solution. And we ran across 
a space in this park that we're in now, um, not this same place that we're in at the very moment, but across the way a little bit. And uh, it was actually your old office. The it old, was. the old leasing office. The old leasing office. And I, I remember one of the first times I met you. You walked in. And you're like, "Well, this is weird. You're sitting in my office, <laughs> or in my old office." Um, and that's kind of how how things got started. And for us, it was it was interesting path. And and it's part of I think one of the topics that we can roll into um, at a point. But when we started, it was uh, 1,200 square foot of space. And it was the smallest kind of space in the park. We just needed something very simplistic. Um, and we have now tripled that size and looking to, to do that again. But um, anyways, the, from, a, from an introductory standpoint, you've been involved in uh, a lot of different aspects of commercial real estate. Now you're, you're on your own. Tell, tell us a little bit how that transition worked, what it looked like, and, and kind of what you've been up to. Yeah, no, authentically, so I was at a place where I'd really plateaued um, in the sense that the portfolio that I was working on hadn't really grown. So in order to kind of advance and go up, I had to go out. Risk equals reward. And I think at the time I was very hesitant to take a risk. And my wife had kind of been chiding me for a while uh, to just kind of jump out of the nest. And so the first year, 2016, was very much fire by night, cloud by day, just kind of figuring it out. Um, saw some breakthrough in 2017 that's continued into 2018 and it's been an exciting journey just and I think the biggest thing I've learned is that the joy is in helping people and being on my own allows me to help a wide variety of people with a wide variety of commercial real estate opportunities yeah it's it's interesting one of the things that I thought would be cool uh, for us to sit and chat about was was the fact that literally the thing that you do impacts almost everybody. So it, it impacts consumers and impacts businesses, small businesses, large, like there's so a, what, what a wide breadth of, of people that it impacts. And so you get to have a, a hand in those transactions every single day. We do. You know, it's interesting. The rising population that Charlotte's experiencing, I'm told it's somewhere between 50 to a hundred people a day are coming to the Charlotte area right now. That is really the rising tide that lifts all boats. Yeah. So whether it's the multifamily apartment industry, whether it's retail in terms of customers in the store, whether it's people needing services from people in office warehouse space, uh, people in office buildings, you know, the, the population growth that we're experiencing is that rising tide that lifts all boats. So it's a great time to be in commercial real estate and it's, help a lot of people. It's just this thing that uh, from an economy standpoint and economics, it just it impacts everything. And we see it in our industry because we're a service based industry that that services commercial real estate. And so when those transactions happen, it impacts us. There's opportunities of growth and expansion for additional security and, and all that. So you, you touched on this a little bit uh, as your transition through college and, and kind of getting in, but what, what made you say commercial real estate is kind of the direction that I want to go? You know, it's funny. So one of my favorite Psalms is in Psalm 37, four says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And for me, I just liked being around real estate. Like in my spare time, I would go look at all different types of real estate. I was always curious about it, asking questions, trying to figure it out. And I really felt like the Lord just spoke to me and said, hey, you enjoy this. And, you know, one of the things I've read is that if you're going to be good at something, you need to enjoy it. Yeah. You've got to be passionate. Oh, yeah. And so I just kind of followed that passion and it turned into a career. That's awesome. I, it's 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 a neat thing to kind of just fall into. Um, it as, as I've had 
these these podcasts ongoing. I get to talk to everybody and understand kind of where they got started and why they got started. And it's a very similar similar story with a lot of people. You you fall into something or you follow something that you're passionate about, and then you get to to make a career of it, um, and and then see great great excitement out of it and great fulfillment out of it. Um, so some of these. Um, uh, some of the things that you've done along the way to kind of grow. So you you mentioned that you did you know six hundred uh, lease transactions. How did that set you up for again that next phase that that kind of your wife helping push you out? What 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 all from that aspect did you did you take from that and craft into where you are now? Yeah, there's a book called Grit that I just finished recently, and one of the quotes that I kind of picked up in my campus ministry days is that leaders are readers. So I try to be a reader. And one of the things that Grit talks about is how people grow. They've, they've kind of scientifically studied how people grow and, and what that process is like. And one of the things that's mentioned is deliberate practice, okay. that you're not just going through the motions at, like a worker on an assembly line where you're doing the same thing every day but not thinking about it, but that you're deliberately thinking, how can I get better? How can I continuously improve? And, and really repetitions is a word you hear in sports. Um, one of my favorite reality shows is Hard Knocks, and it's all about guys trying to make NFL teams. And it's all about how many reps can I get in practice? How can I be with the first string and get more reps? And I think for me, those 600 transactions were just reps. Gotcha. And you're building kind of subconscious muscle memory on what makes a deal work, what makes a deal blow up, you know, what's important to the landlord, what's important to the tenant, and how do you bring those two together and craft a win-win deal that works for everybody. And I want to get into more of that on a specifics, uh, some, some of the tangible things to take away from this conversation today a little later. But you, you kind of set this question up is, what are you currently doing then for personal improvement? How are you focusing on, as a, that's, that's kind of our motto here, always improving. So how are you, what are you doing to, to work in that on your on your yourself every day so just quick aside i've got uh, a wife of 12 years who's fantastic an eight five and two year old and one of the things that my parents have done for my kids is they've signed them up for boxes it's kiwi crate there's uh little passports so they get these boxes in the mail each month that have learning educational based things for them to learn on and there's a gentleman named michael hyatt who's kind of a leadership thought efficiency guru if you will and he crafted an idea called Leaderbox. In Leaderbox, you get two books a month. There's a reading guide that goes with it. There's an online Facebook community. And that's been a great way for me to get exposed to books that I wouldn't normally get exposed to. Gotcha. So Leaderbox, Audible, and then really just taking time to be intentional to meet with people. I think people are surprised in that a lot of times you can see a leader in your industry or a leader in a certain field and think, well, that person's probably unapproachable. But what I found kind of early on in my teens and 20s was if you take the time to reach out, if you take the time to make an effort, oftentimes people are very willing and open to spend time with you, let you kind of craft questions and and learn from their experience. One of the things that's really a human need within all of us that Tony Robbins likes to talk about is contribution. And people want to feel like they're investing in the next generation, that they're giving back. So just taking time to reach out to people. So reading, listening to books, and 
personal connection by through mentoring is, is kind of what you're doing. Any other, any groups that you're involved with, any, uh, what are you doing things to give back in, in, in the same regard uh, in, through, through networks or groups or anything like that? Yeah, in the same token, I think if you're receiving and you're not giving out, you turn into the Dead Sea yeah. and you kind of stagnate. So I think it is important, like you said, uh, that's, that's something I like to do is meet with people that are just exploring a career in commercial real estate and have an opportunity to kind of talk through them uh, with them, you know, how to do that. So books, you, you mentioned books. What is, what is the book you're on right now? The book that I'm on right now or just finished is a book called Killing England by Bill O'Reilly. He, he wrote a great series. Uh, there was Killing Jesus. There was Killing England. There was Killing a lot of things. Everything is dying in his books. But it is a fantastic way. You, you feel like you're kind of in the moment of history. Okay. And the Revolutionary War uh, was quite an interesting war in that a lot of people thought the Americans were done very early on and unlikely to be successful. So it was neat to see how it all played out. There you go. So uh, there, there's the, the latest uh, recommendation from Brian Smith on, on your book selection. Killing England. There you go. Let's get into, um, into the, the kind of the meat of the topic of commercial real estate. I want to talk about it in a very tactical, very tangible way. Um, as if we were sitting here having a conversation. I am a, uh, uh, someone in a small business that's looking for space. Either this is my first space, um, this is my first office space. W- what are some things as I'm getting started that I need to be mindful of? Do I have to go into a, a three, five, seven year lease? Um, where am I at? What is my risk versus sure. reward? What do I need to oh, be yeah. mindful of? What's my exit? So I think anytime, especially when you're just getting started, you've got to think in the mentality of this space should make me money. And that a lot of times people look at the lease or look at the cost and they're intimidated by it. Mm -hmm. Whether it's $100 or $100,000, they think, well, this is going to cost me money. Yeah. But I think the more sophisticated tenants in the world or people that are occupying commercial real estate look at it differently. They say, how much money can this space make me either by being more efficient or if you're in a retail environment where you're selling things by driving more sales or just improving the happiness factor of your employees and getting more productivity from them. So I think the first thing is, how can this space make me money? But also, you know, with that, what is my budget? What, where's my comfort zone? So mixing those two. And then I'd say starting small in the sense that most landlords of the world want to bring a tenant in in the early stages and kind of grow with that tenant. So if you leased, let's say, a 1,000 square feet in the center, and then a year later, let's say you're on a two- or three-year lease, and then one year into it, you've outgrown it, that's a fantastic problem for the landlord because there's no better deal than, as most people know, with their existing client base and expanding that relationship. So the landlord is more than happy to rip up your current lease, move you into a bigger space, and give you the opportunity to grow. So I think it's... It's thinking in the mentality of how does this space make me money, but also how can I start where I'm comfortable, but then grow over time and kind of take it in baby steps. Gotcha. Let me ask you a question. Uh, When it comes to uh, the shared office space, co-share spaces that co-working, co-working environment that Mm -hmm. have really come out. Uh, especially here in the Charlotte market, how does that, is that a disruptor for your market? Is it, is it helping the market? What is that? What does that transaction look like? Yeah, I think especially in the Charlotte market, co-working 
is just absorbing some of that new supply in the terms of the 50 to 100 people a day that are coming here. And I think that in a lot of markets, though, for an entrepreneur like myself, I work out of a co-working space. And so for me, the benefit is my overhead's lower and then I'm around other entrepreneurs and there's some synergy just in terms of offered accountability. Yeah. You know, in the sense that if you're in a co-working environment and you're working, you're less likely to be goofing off because everybody else is working. Sure. So you almost kind of feel. Everybody's hustling together. Yeah, exactly. There's a synergy that comes from that. So then for your yourself, being in that environment, those companies, if they are hustling and they're growing, they're inevitably going to move in to their own it's kind of a it's kind of a launching phase for them so absolutely and they move into their own space and they need they have their own needs um so with that said i uh my screen just turned off here but uh, with that said so you have the code share co-share spaces um one of the things that i have recently uh, ha- you and i have had these conversations about recently is uh classifications of of office space a, B, C, I don't know. D. D. No, there's there no D. D. <laughs> it's like, that's really bad. Just A, B, C. Talk us through that from a, a novice perspective, because you, you took the time to, to explain that to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's common lingo that everybody knows, and I'm just the, the, the ignorant one. Explain what that means and what, how you would apply that to your business and what you're looking for, what, what your needs sure. are. Yeah, and there's a high correlation between the classification of the real estate and the price. So some of that comes down to budget, whereas a class A property will tend to be the newest property. It's going to have the best amenities and features. So there are certain companies that just say for my brand and for my clients and for my employees, I want to be in the best space. So they'll gravitate to a class A space. Um, A class B space obviously is somewhere in the middle. It's uh, probably 10 to 20 years old. There could be some things that are a little bit functionally obsolete that if you were building a new building today, you wouldn't build it. And then class C tends to be that older building that say for instance, in an industrial warehouse environment today, most ceiling heights are between 24 and 40 feet if you're building a new building. Okay. That's because there's companies that want to rack product in the warehouse to higher heights. Mm -hmm. There's new forklifts that are out that can get to those higher heights. And there's just, a lot of technology that's there to support that higher ceiling height. Whereas if the property was built 30, 40, 50 years ago, most likely that height is between 12 and 16 feet because the technology that exists today wasn't there then. And so those buildings are considered functionally obsolete in a way because a building with a 12 foot height compared to a 40 foot height, you need almost three times as many much square feet to get the equivalent storage out of it. Because you've, you've lost your vertical space. Exactly. Interesting. Huh. So that's part of what makes there's a, a class, nugget for today. Class C uh, building a class C building is there's some functional obsolescence. The location's not going to be as superior, and it's just going to be older. So gaining the, the height, it's a, obviously a single-story building, but just the height in the warehouse, you know, we've seen that, you know stock height, high, high, high stock um, that they're able to, to, to utilize. That's very interesting. I learned something today. That's great. It's all about continuous improvement. That's it. (laughs) Um, So speaking on that, the the definition between retail, mixed use, flex space, I don't know, are those interchangeable terms? What is, how do you choose the right space for for your your business? Right. I think part of it's about end game and that do you want walk-in traffic? Do you want people coming in daily to purchase things? then you'd want to be in a retail environment. You'd want the higher visibility. Some businesses specifically don't want 
people coming in off the street because it's a distraction of their core business. So you're going to pay the most for the retail and the visibility. So if you don't want the visibility and that you don't want foot traffic and that's a distraction, then you're more likely going to be either in an office building that's multi-story or if you've got a warehousing need, you'd be in a building like this that we're in today where you have office in the front, warehouse in the back. It's kind of like the it's kind of like the warehouse mullet. Exactly. It's uh, you know, business in the front, party in the back <laughs> and just a little bit of both. Which is what we've we've been used to and accustomed to for many years. We we have uh, more office space than we have warehouse. And I remember uh, in our very first space, we were probably about what eighty percent, maybe eighty five percent office space, and we had a small little, you know, just warehouse in the back. And then as we continued to grow and have needs, which right now we're I don't even know what the square footage would be for our warehouse space, but it's it's a it's well undersized. Uh, so, anyways, um, what are some things as we're as as uh, prospective tenants are looking to uh, to move into commercial real estate? Maybe they have been using a co-share space and they go, okay, we need our own, you know, we need our own area spread out a little bit. What are some things that they, they need to be looking for? Maybe in the areas, the markets that they're that they're in, uh, the surrounding areas, the the communities that are kind of around that. And then, it's, it's kind of a follow up on that is what are some questions that they need to be asking or being uh, asking of the tenant? I'm sorry, of the landlord, and being mindful of that as they start moving into those those spaces. Sure. So especially if you've got a team of people. Uh, it's a lot easier to keep and grow your existing team than it is to go out and get new team members, especially if you're happy with your team. So one of the things you want to look at is where does everybody in the team live? And is there a place that can be geographically centric? I will say it's kind of a joke. If you find out where the CEO or the boss lives, the location is probably going to be pretty close to that. But I think if you really take a 30,000 foot view, you know, where does your team live? Where is it going to be convenient for your team, for your other clients? And looking at it that way, I think also finding a landlord that is kind of win-win mindset oriented to where they really want to see you succeed, want to see your business grow. They're happy to accommodate you. And also in the downturn, which we're kind of in the rearview mirror right now, but from 2008 to 2012, really, it was a tenant's market. It was not a landlord's market. You know, tenants were suffering. So the better landlords realized that and either discounted rent move tenants into smaller spaces so that they could kind of recover. Uh, so it's really looking for a landlord that has a win-win mindset. Safety is a big thing, especially if you've got females working in the office. They want to be in a well-lit, safe environment. So while you could go to this other end of town and save you know, a couple dollars a square foot, you may lose your employees if yeah. it's not a safe environment that people want to be excited about, come to work in. And then I think you know, just looking at it from a long-term perspective and that if it is a landlord's market that it is right now where the space is scarce, landlords want you to sign for longer terms, you know, as we talked about earlier, is that landlord willing to grow with you and, and help you grow so you don't get pigeonholed into a space that's too small gotcha. that doesn't meet your needs? So those are questions that you want to ask early on. Hey, what, you know, I've, I'm going to sign this five-year lease, but I've expected, I'm expecting to to double, you know, my growth over the next two and a half years. What happens in two and a half years when I need more space? And asking that information up front rather than finding out two and a half years in that you are really just stuck for five years. Exactly. So uh, of that, and it, it sounds like it's very similar to when you're looking for a place to live, your, your home, you know, 
you're driving by there at night to see what the the surrounding areas are and, and just kind of getting used to the property and seeing if it's going to be functional for your business and for your team. Yeah, and, and kind of taking that residential example to heart, you know, one of the things you can do, obviously, if you're buying a house is talk to the neighbors. And yeah. in the same way, you know, going and talking to the existing tenant base, talking to the neighbors, seeing how they feel about it. And obviously, people love to talk about problems. So yeah. they'll, they'll definitely tell you every and all problems. But just given the getting the overall temperature for the uh, tenant base, and is the village happy with the mayor that's in place right now? <laughs> that's that's very uh, very good advice. I it's one of the I would say that's something that we definitely didn't do when we were looking. Is you know it was a, it was a very uh, it was a learning experience, and and you didn't go talk to everybody else because you just didn't kind of know what was going on. But that's an easy piece of advice. Just knock on the next door over and say, hey. How are things here? How long have you been here? Have you seen improvements? Have you seen a decline? Um, and and kind of be mindful about about that process. Uh, so here's here's something. What are some things that a prospective commercial real estate tenant should avoid? Something that they need to be. Hey, if you hear this, if you see this, run. So early on in a new business, you know, you always hear about the corporate veil, and I'm going to incorporate to protect myself. Sure. So a new corporation is like a new baby in the sense that the landlord, if you bring your new corporation with no revenue and no history, it's almost like bringing your two-year-old to the car dealer and saying, he's going to guarantee this deal for me. You know, he's going to sign for me. You know, I I, want to protect myself, so I'm going to put my two-year-old on the deal and he's going to guarantee it. So the landlord's going to look for some kind of personal guarantee from that person, which means that they're personally liable and responsible for the lease in the event the company can't pay it. Gotcha. Now- couple things with that. You want to negotiate a burn off to try to get that to go away as quickly as possible. So okay. after X number of months of on-time rent, this guarantee is going to burn off. The second thing to think about is how do you structure it in such a way that you've got some clarity long-term in regards to just certain things that you might not think about like HVAC and other mm-hmm. components within the space that may break. And it's common in industrial and flex spaces that if the HVAC unit breaks, you're hundred percent responsible. Well, you can't take that unit with you when, when you leave. So can you negotiate a cap to limit your liability, limit your exposure? You know, it is funny though, getting back to the guarantee thing, I've seen attorneys mark up leases and talk about what's going to happen when hurricane Florence mows the building down but not make any comment about that personal guarantee yeah. that's there for five to 10 years and with a million dollars worth of liability. Yeah. So I think you know, limiting your downside in the event that things go bad with the guarantee, limiting your downside in the event of what you're responsible for mechanically and structurally, those are a couple things you can do to kind of. So that, that's a, I think that's an important thing. Um, when, when you're talking about leasing space, what is my responsibility versus what is the the landlord's responsibility? And getting that very clear and very detailed, that is one of the questions that, that we, we were um, uh, advised on early on is, you know, okay, everything is covered in this area except for HVAC. Now, these units are five, 10 years old. If it goes out, it's it's up to you to replace it if you want air condition (laughs) (laughs) or you can just sit in there and roast but that's your responsibility and so you have to leverage what your liability is on that and and you can ask for it you can say hey 
I only want to be responsible for X amount of dollars uh, annually or over the lifetime of the lease or whatever the case may be. And that's not the only thing. There's other things that you can ask for in that. Just, you know, I guess what I'm hearing from you is when a landlord gives you an offer, make sure you understand all of your liabilities and don't be afraid to ask. Absolutely. You, you have not because you asked not. Yeah. And most time the landlord is not going to just offer things up. And that kind of leads into a plug, obviously, for my profession. When you work with a commercial real estate advisor who is a professional, that's what they do all day, every day. A couple things. Most times that commission is paid for by the landlord, so there's no financial cost to you. And they're definitely not going to discount your rent if you're not working with someone. Yeah. And then secondly, their full-time deal is commercial real estate that's your commercial real estate function of your company that you're able to outsource and leverage. You know, if you think about your dollars per hour, you take the amount of money you make in a year, divide it by about 1,800, 2,000 hours, the amount of hours you're likely working, that's your dollars per hour. So every hour that you're spending on something that's outside of your business, outside of a revenue producing activity, you know, you're losing money. So working with a commercial real estate advisor who can walk you through the different pitfalls is a way to really make more money and spend more time on your business. Good advice. Good advice. Last question that I have for you. And I just noticed that I had a, a bad autocorrect on here. Where do you see the commercial real estate market going in, in my notes here? Say the commercial steak market going. <laughs> I love it. Steaks. What's <laughs> for dinner? Switch over to, to the meat industry, but no, where, where do you see the commercial real estate market going? Um, and, and kind of what's the next big thing? What do we need to be mindful of? Yeah. So in the downturn, Landlords quit building, so cranes stopped, construction stopped, and it was really a tenant's market. There was more space than there was demand. So as the economy came back, the space that was there got absorbed, so that was gone. So from a supply and demand standpoint, it's really flipped right now to be a landlord's market. Now, you're starting to see construction happening, but at the same time, you know, construction materials are up. Mm-hmm. Uh, labor is tough to find. Mm-hmm. So construction pricing is up from a labor standpoint. So rental rates have had to rise to meet that demand. So you're seeing some landlords raising rents 10 to 20% right now. So at the moment, it's a very landlord's market. And that it's the, you know, real estate is a cyclical business and it's driven by the economy. So obviously, if we see a recession, which we're in one of the longest you know, bull markets that we've had in our, our history. So obviously, if the, the market goes the other way, I think things could pull back and you know, we'll be in a tenants market again. It's just a matter of when, when will that happen? Yeah. And, and no one knows at the moment. Well, that's, that's the gamble of being in business, right? It's, it is. It's kind, of, uh, kind of working through all those things. Awesome. Well, Brian, I, I've learned some today. Hopefully, um, some of our, uh, our listeners have, have learned some as well. Um, it, your, your business, a quick 60-second kind of summary of, of how they can get a hold of you and wh- what the benefit of working with uh, someone like you or even yourself. Sure. And and I will say, if you're in any market other than Charlotte and you need some help, I can get you connected with somebody locally in your market. So that's a service I offer. But in, in terms of the benefit, I think it goes back to uh, cost benefit analysis. Uh, from a financial standpoint, it's likely not going to cost you anything. The benefit is this person should be adding value. We all get paid to add value. This person should be a value adding type uh, individual. And they should be taking you in higher levels of thinking in terms of how do I use this space to leverage my business, think about things from a long-term perspective. Uh, best way to get a hold of me is regent, R-E-G-E-N-T-C-R-E.com. 
That's the website, regentcre.com, and would love to speak with anyone in any market in the country and just find out about their business. Awesome. Hey, Brian, once again, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Um, next week, uh, we are going to have a special guest with us, um, Ben Soltzi from Asa Abloy. So it'll be a fun conversation next week as well. So look forward to uh, seeing you back here for that. But in the meantime, uh, we'll let everybody get back to work and enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll see you next time here on The Coffee Break. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes. And it's time for a coffee break. Time for a coffee break. Oh, yeah. Coffee break is brought to you by Lockdoc Security. Connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube for more information just like you heard today.